Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. So I want to give you a quick round of introduction about the people here and then I'll introduce myself. Um, over there, Ahmed Lerghani is from BIM Ventures. It's actually a Saudi venture studio. Uh, and they serve as institu institutional co-founders to companies they invest in. So they go all the way from the idea and take you to the growth part of it. And then over there, we have Sami. Sami from Kitopi. He is the CFO of Kitopi. How many here have heard of Kitopi? Oh, excellent. Okay. So they're a tech-powered multi-brand restaurant uh, on a mission to satisfy the world's appetite. Who doesn't want that? To date, Kitopi has a total funding of around 804 million. Did I get mm -hmm. that correct, Yasami? Excellent. And making it the MENA's region's unicorn startup. How amazing is that? And then over here, I've got Aya Sadr, CEO and founder of Bold Consultancy. And they bring companies to life. They nurture ideas. And she is recognized by Entrepreneur Magazine as the ecosystem influencer and an entrepreneur of the year by Arabian Business. Last but not least, Nitin. Nitin is a partner at Noah Capital which is a radical new investment platform that invests in founders, that part that I love the most, and is redefining the relation between founders and capital. He actually grew a lot of companies from the ground up, serving as C-suite himself. Lastly, mm -hmm. my, my name is Khaled Gharab. I am an advisor and coach for founders, all the way from pre-seed to seed to series A, helping them optimize their people so that when they get in front of investors, they know exactly what to get invested in. All right, so without further ado, I'd like to kick off the conversation today because it's a very fascinating conversation around mindset. And I want to treat this almost like as friends sitting together, having a dialogue, you know, disagree with one another, say whatever you want to say, and let's get these people to walk away with something around the mindset so that they can navigate the market better. So what are some common challenges companies face when transitioning from seed to growth? And what could the management actually do to adapt between those stages? I want to direct this to Sami and Ahmed. Sure. So I'll start. Yeah. Thanks, Khalid. Uh, great to be here. So um, look, challenges from seed to growth, and I'm, I would call it also from startup to scale up, is really, I'll, uh, there's many, but I'll talk about two specifically. One is as you grow to a scale up, what happens here is that there's, you're, you're, you're going to be needing a lot more people. Right? This is not only a founder-led business anymore, but it's a leadership-led business and a talent-led business. And when you do that, as you do that, what you do is that now you have a lot of decision makers, you have a lot of opinions and styles. And how do you actually keep that, you know, the culture that you have? How do you keep the momentum that you have when you have a lot of decision makers? And that's one thing I would really focus on as a, as a leadership team when you look at growing to becoming a scale-up, is how do we ensure we keep the culture while having the best talent on board? Uh, so that's one. Second is as you think about scaling up, the decision-making process from a startup to, to a scale-up to a growth stage it becomes a bit more you know, calculated. You, need, you still want to take risks. You still want to try stuff. But you need to figure out really what is the right 
what are the right initiatives to go after, right? And the, and the decision making and the governance around it becomes more important. And at the end, how do you balance that with actually staying agile and moving fast is an art that, that you, uh, we need to master. Uh, Sammy, I'm just curious about something. When you say, like, what, what are the triggers for those challenges to start to happen? For really, yeah, what has to happen for a founder to say, I'm being challenged right now. There's a problem here. Can you mention any of these challenges or triggers? I'll tell you, just literally in decision-making. So as you grow, you have, you have a lot of leaders in the organization with you. You see sometimes as a founder, you look at something and you say, this is taking much more time than it should. Right? So you see it very tangibly in front of you. It's taking much more longer. Why? Are we becoming too bureaucratic? And this is where you just very quickly do, a, if you want, a culture reset and make sure that this is, this is really not happening anymore. Uh, thank you, uh, Ahmed. I, I want to direct this burden to you because one of the challenges I see a lot of early stage and seed founders go through is too much focus on product. Too much. Very little focus on growth. What other challenges did you see? Yeah, uh, first, I thank you for having me here. Uh, what you said is very precise. Uh, in, in BIM, we see this uh, uh, as something common. So we always tell the founders that perfect is the enemy of good. Sure. Because the founder has an emotional attachment to his product, so he tries all the time to perfect it. right? And that prevents him from focusing uh, on growth. And then uh, we try to apply uh, the, uh, I would call it um, ad high adaptability type of uh, uh, growth mindset. So you have to grow and you have to hit the market and then you can fix while you're growing. So that's the mindset that we are always trying to plant uh, in our uh, founders or anyone that we come across. It's, it's very clear to me that a lot of people today who leave, for example, the corporate world and they want to become founders have a challenge with mindset specifically shifting from being employed into running the company. Yeah. Hey, you're nodding your head and you want to say something to that? No, I think it's super important that when you transition from a big corporation into a startup, which I don't know how many founders we have in a room, put your hands up, no. right? You're not getting that perfect salary at the end of the month. And that really nice uh, rent once a year. You know, you're, you're basically, you're working on your business model. You're looking for new customers. You're pivoting constantly. And you kind of have to be okay with that uh, up and down on your PL. And you have to really embrace uh, what a really inspirational female founder said to me the other day, which is faith. The belief in knowing that you're going to get revenue coming into the business, but it just might not look like the perfect PL. It might not look like that amazing business canvas model uh, or that, you know, that beautiful sheet you created in the beginning of your business. Oh, very true. Nitin, what do you want to say to that? <clears throat> no, I definitely agree. It's a big transition to move from uh, uh, being an employee to being a founder or even joining a startup. I think you have to make sure you're ready. Like there's a different risk profile whenever you enter into a risky venture, and you have to be prepared for that. So I think a lot of the work that someone has to do is before they actually make the decision to take the deep dive. Um, I also wanted to touch on the point that you made about too many people focusing on product. I think, you know, in general, it's, it's, it's prudent to say that there's no one prescription for success. Uh, and sometimes it is 
the right move to focus on product at an early day. Um, whenever we're going to the growth stage, like Katopi, or in a company that is, let's say, a fintech, where the product is very important to the consumer transacting, um, if you rush the product to market, then whenever you get to the series B or C, you could have inherited a lot of technical debt. And those are very, very expensive, expensive mistakes to correct and to turn around. So a lot of the work that you have to do in the early stage is the mitigation of that technical and operational debt, which will serve you extremely well in the future and make you more scalable and more capital efficient, which is important. Wow. You know, you reminded me of something that uh, I think uh, with Fadi Gandur this morning, uh, Eli Habib from Al-Ghami said, most startups fail not because of starvation, but because of, what, what was the word? I think it was like uh, indigestion. Mm. So all of you are saying something like along the same lines, like you have to be aware of this, you have to be aware of that, you have to know this and know that. It's too much awareness and information for the founder. How can we help them simplify so that when they go from early stage pre-seed and then maybe seed and the next, it's simple. How can we simplify this? It's too many challenges. And this is like for all, all four of you. Uh, I can add to this. I think the, the best way to address these challenges is to have, sm uh, to have a big goal, but to cut it into small milestones. Like this week or this month, we're just going to focus on sales. The next month, we're going to focus on hiring. Or, like you need to but prioritize. Isn't that the opposite of what he's doing? Uh, if you think about it, right? Because yeah. you're pushing back and saying, you're saying, show me your three to five year growth plan. And then you're over here like, show me your one month plan. Yeah, so I think uh, uh, we, the five year plan is too long in the, in, the, in the life cycle of a startup. So you could have a North Star and say in five years, we want to be the next unicorn. But then as a founder or as, or as someone who works with a lot of founders, all the time you need to be revising these goals because pivoting is, is in the DNA of any, any startup. So if you're going to pivot, the earlier you do it, the better it is. So you need to keep revising these goals. I mean, every uh, month or every week, depends on, how, on what stage you're in. Okay. I'll just add one thing to, uh, to this is, look, no matter what stage you are, it's very important that you know, there's alignment with your team, yes. with your team on a specific purpose. I'm not saying purpose and vision cannot evolve, but it needs to be very clear, aligned, and whether you look at short term or long term, defining that purpose and making everybody's looking towards that direction is really goes a long way to actually make sure we address these challenges. Because you're not addressing them alone anymore. You have your team aligned on a specific vision, on a specific purpose to solve these problems. Beautiful. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I think that's a very good point. I think the, the other point that, that you made before is that one of the biggest challenges is people. Um, mm -hmm. And ultimately, you know, you have to draw a nuance between the strategic plan, which may be a five-year plan and an execution plan, which could be one month, two months, three months, six months. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very significant difference. You know, uh, a lot of early stage startups, generally I see two different approaches to hiring, which is top down. So you hire your leaders of a department early days and potentially make them co-founders. So if you're, if you're in a product heavy business like SaaS, you may have a technical co-founder that could add uh, a significant amount of value. And then you see other people, which are either single founder or dual founder, and they kind of hire um, from, I wouldn't say the bottom up, but like at the managerial level, have them build the teams, and then hire a senior leader uh, before. 
Um, every permutation is company specific. Like there's no there's no one prescription for for what's right. But ultimately, if you want to scale and execute at a high level, you have to do it at multiple fronts at the same time. Um, and in order to do that, you have to have departmental leaders that you could trust. What's impossible to do at scale, but is possible to do at the seed stage, is for the founder to have their fingers in everything um, mm. at, at the nth degree, like all the way down in the weeds. That's a very difficult thing to accomplish. And that in and of itself, as a CEO, is not scalable practice. So, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges I see from a mindset perspective when evolving from seed to growth is letting go of control mm -hmm. um, and trusting the people that you've actually chosen to trust, but following through on your promise uh, of trusting them. I think that's a very difficult psychological hurdle to overcome. But once you do, then you start seeing like a disproportionate amount of value from your team. And it's amazing how that slowly starts to seep into the culture of the company. When you start to like be such a control freak around how you need everything done in a certain way. Yeah. And that brings us to the next question. You know, okay, it's time for us to move stages. We're moving up to a certain level and we need to maintain the culture or do something with it. So maybe what I'm curious about here is how can a company maintain its, uh, its culture and its values as it grows? And, you know, what do they need to do internally to prepare for what's coming? Um, Aya, Sami, and the others... The floor is yours. I might have less to comment on this than maybe the two of you, definitely. But um, actually, the other day, uh, I had a friend who came into this, to our startup, and he met everyone on the team. And he said, I'm impressed. Everybody likes each other. And I said, yeah, I mean, or else I'm, I'm really failing as a founder. But it's true. If, you, if your team have a sticky culture, that's the type of dynamic that allows for collaboration, allows for a good exchange of ideas, and it allows us to work in the same direction. And that's something that I promised myself that if my team grows, I really believe that stickiness or uh, sticking to the brand promise is, is super critical as we go. Maybe just also to follow up on this, so along these lines, we talked about purpose, you talked about the, the whole you know, movement together. But it goes also into the values and behaviors, setting these values and behaviors uh, and cascading them and making sure everybody lives them and breathes them is what will take you to, uh, to surmount these challenges and to keep the culture. But also, I would, one thing I would also encourage everybody, I mean, just from experience and what we've seen is beyond cascading and ensuring everybody lives that culture and these behaviors is just as founders, keep a pulse, keep tabs on how things are evolving. Right? And if we feel that the culture, there's, a, you know, there's movement or movement away from the culture in different parts of the organization, but tackle it, tackle it very quickly. And that's how I think. Uh, I just want to jump in, like the word tackle is a bit general. Can you be a bit specific? What would you mean? Because as a founder, I have so much on my plate. I have people that are not working. To <laughs> them. <laughs> but seriously, well, what is it? Look, we, we spoke about how you need now to trust your team to manage and drive. So as founders, what do you do? 100% of your time, it's not like you're stopped managing. Right? But what I do is just 20% of the time, I actually look and just go and contribute to whatever initiative is happening. Right? If, we if we feel some, again, I go back to slowness. Go back and roll up your sleeves and be with the team, be with the squad and drive culture. 
I think a, I think a big part of it is also recognizing the magnitude of the challenge um, whenever you're starting out. Like for me, this may not be true for everyone, but for me, the people challenge and the culture challenge and the values challenge while you're growing is the most significant challenge that I've personally ever had to face. And it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to get right. And that's very simple like to understand why, because the equation for success has the most number of variables in it. Like you could go from 10 to 15 to 20 employees to 500 if you raise like, you know, a $40 million round or something like that, and then 1,000, and then 1,500. Like each of those people is a variable in the equation. So it's a, it's a very difficult thing to accomplish because it's ever dynamic. That equation is never a constant equation. It changes like on a month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter basis. And then whenever you have those massive inflection points in the company, which it could be a fundraise, it could be an acquisition, it could be a new market entry, or it could just be like ridiculous organic success, that is naturally going to rock the boat a little bit. And, and you know, it's always important to have one person consistently thinking about this, um, about are we in line with our, our, our culture? Are we the company that we set ourselves out to be um, on an ongoing basis? If you don't have a dedicated resource thinking about this, it's challenging. I, I just would like to add to the, uh, to the culture part. I think it's the, the challenging part when you're shifting from seed to, to growing your company is not built, is, is the fact that you don't have a culture yet. That, you, that part of what you're building is that you're building your culture. So one important thing that we've noticed uh, is a very powerful tool to, to use is that you have principles, and those principles revolve around the key people who are building this place. For example, we're not going to grow as a company and leave anyone behind. Every good person is going to grow with us. So it's not going to be a classic mistake where a company grows and then we're going to bring other people to run that company, unless those are the right people for that stage. But at the heart of it, the people who are the early believers are the ones who are going to grow with us and going to be part of this uh, success story. Uh, I, can't, I can't give you a book and tell you this is my culture or this is our code of ethics, but for example, I can promise you that today is better than yesterday and tomorrow will be better than today. But this is general principles that can keep the people comfortable at least because uh, when you're building a startup, it's it's an ambiguous journey. Okay. You, you need to give the people some sort of comfort. But can I challenge you on this point? Sure. Because he told us to disagree with yeah. everyone as much <laughs> as possible. Um, so you disagree with him. One hundred percent. But one thing that's uh, actually I noticed working for a very big company, and I actually have a friend in the audience who's also worked with them. Sure. The first hundred that came into that company and that company has now more than 80,000 people, those uh, first hundreds are still in the company as these legacy people. But not necessarily as the company is growing, and I'm sure everyone can agree as well on the panel, because you can't disagree with me, that, um, <laughs> that yeah. as we grow the company, are those first hundreds, should those first hundred be responsible for growing uh, their departments and the divisions? Okay, so I think we're saying the same thing in different languages because you will grow if you were able to grow as the company grows. So my job is to give you the option. It's on you to use that option. If you don't use it, then you don't fit to be one of the 100 uh, uh, when we have 80,000. But I, I need to provide you with that option. I think that's what I was trying to say. Let me, let me come, come in and shift us to the next part of this, which is, look, uh, I'm learning from all of you here and all the founders that I've worked with, the culture 
is very much like a cup of coffee. What you put in it defines its taste. And so there's a deep sense of ownership, not only on the founder, but the whole team to contribute to the ship where we're going, right? Yeah. So there are some particular key people that I'm wondering if Nitin and Sami could actually quickly chime in on the board. We're growing now as a company. How does the board change as we go from seed to growth? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, like when we're talking about venture-funded companies, and I, this may be contentious, what I'm about to say, but um, I think, you know, in the early stage, um, the board is generally made up of investors. Uh, usually there's uh, a series of investors, one independent, and the founders. That's the typical board makeup in the early stage. Um, and I think that is fine uh, at the early stage um, because the the problems that the company is going through and the the opportunities and challenges that they have to evaluate um, are, are significantly strategic. Mm. Whenever you um, evolve as a business, um, the challenges become um, much more complicated, much more operational, and you need a lot more industry expertise. So I would say in a perfect world, you would increase the number of investment, uh, independent uh, directors, which could be industry experts, and reduce the number of investor directors. Because I think there is a point of um, uh, terminal velocity, let's say, in terms of the value that an investor can add at the board level whenever you're dealing with a Katopi, right? Or whenever you're dealing with a Tabby or, or a Noon for that matter. So any large scale company in our region or any region, um, how much value can an investor really add unless they're an investor that has actually built a similar business, which is you know, few and far between. Um, so, I mean, that would be my position. Like, as I think the value of the board is significant. I think on aggregate in our region, it's a massive opportunity. I think the contributions at the board level can improve drastically, and they should. Um, and I think the founders should be, uh, should ask more of the board. Like, I don't think the board should be structured wow. as a series of updates that the founders yeah. give to the investors and the founders are being held accountable to the investors. Rather, I think the board should be there to serve the founders and add value and help them grow the business. And if they're not, then quite frankly, maybe they shouldn't be there. Yeah, excellent. Look, it's not very contentious. I actually fully agree with you. <laughs> and, and I tell you just one thing, I know the clock is ticking and you're, uh, you're looking at us also to, to accelerate. But uh, so fully agree on seed stage, what you need from a board is to help you, promote you, connect you with the ecosystem, participate in strategy, help you think through some high-level challenges, and as we go to growth, what you need from board members, whether they're investors or independent, but what you really need from board members, while still doing everything I said before, and it's, it's just not only that, but ensuring that from a, from a maturity perspective and a decision-making or governance, they're upping the level at the board and at the company level, right? To make sure that just we're heading towards a mature uh, a growth company, uh, and reaching where we need to reach. Excellent stuff. We talked about mindset. We talked about people. Let's talk about what oh, everybody <laughs> here is thinking. This. Flus. <laughs> that. So investors now, they're looking at you know, your different stages. What do they want from a company that's going from seed to growth? How is it different? Uh, they're going to ask this from seed. They're going to ask this from growth. What, what metrics are they looking for? I think this is like, everybody's like, okay, now tell us, big boys. 
So I'll start very quickly from uh, from experience. So seed, an investor looking at seed is what are the top two things that we look at is really team. I think when we think about uh, a seed investment is a team, the team members, the founders, how are they individually and together? What can they do, right? So that's, that's one. And second aspect I see is really figuring out that problem. Is it a real problem? Is, that, is, that a, is there a big market for that problem, right? And I think these are, and uh, you guys will add, will add to what I'm saying, but this is really for me the, the first, the, the biggest two components at seed stage. But yeah. as you grow, right? So the number one becomes really looking at the business plan and the financials and really what is, how is that growth coming? What is the certainty and risk around that growth? What is the certainty and risk around the economics of such a business? I would say is one of the main criteria. And second, we'd still look at people, right? And, and it's more of a test, backward test of how did they evolve when there's different context? How do they, uh, how agile is this team to actually look at challenges and surmount them? And that, that's what I think is Thank you, Zabu. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with your assessment of seed uh, and growth. Like, I, uh, seed, definitely. Uh, I think it's important to take a step back uh, for a minute and understand the investor landscape in the region. Um, there's no deficit of uh, seed and even Series A investors um, in the region. So there's a flood of capital that is chasing um, this stage of business. But whenever you get to the Series B, C, or D, the, regionally, there's a significant deficit. There are not a, enough people focusing on the later stages, which should influence your business plans as entrepreneurs, um, which makes us good businesses because there's a burden on a founder to generate mm. cash a lot quicker because the tap on funding could run out sooner mm. than it would in other regions. And that's an important thing mm. to understand. Whenever we're looking at seed, like very aptly said, I think this is spot on. Um, at growth, um, it becomes less of a story. Um, that's, that's one thing that I think everyone has, to, has to, to kind of prepare themselves for because in the early days, everything is theoretical um, mm. to a certain degree and the storytelling element mm. is much more significant. It's not to say at growth there's no storytelling element, mm. but there's a lot more numbers and data behind it and we are better prepared to extrapolate that data to an outcome that we believe will or will not happen. Um, and then back it into, you know, what's in it for us, like from a returns perspective. So I think it becomes a lot more analytical um, at the later stage and your performance um, can speak for itself. Um, so that is just a disproportionate contributor to the investment decision. Um, but that's not to say that the team, the vision, the strategy is not important because whenever an investor is coming in, even at the growth stage, they still need that three to four X outcome. You know, so there still has to be a, a significant story for growth, but their ability to diligence that story is significantly awesome. easier. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. So I'd like to hear from Aya and then Ahmed, and then we can wrap it up and maybe have a question or two from yeah. the audience depending on time. Aya? Yeah. Thoughts? But uh, investing, you know, like what do they look for early on and then on growth? Uh, yeah. So I think early on, uh, for me, maybe when I was raising my seed round, I was thinking strategic, and Sami mentioned it slightly. Uh, the first thing you want to do is get the people on, on your team that are going to push you, that have connections, that have a network, that would essentially give back to the business. I am very happy to say I bought out my investors uh, a few months ago. Uh, it was very expensive, but I'm very happy. 
Um, but I, I do believe that at every point of the business, when you're reaching an inflection point or you see that there's a real opportunity for the business direction, you have to take the leap. So for, I think for me, in terms of my transition moment, I looked at my investors and I realized that I need, let's say, the, the right people to advise me to join my board. Um, and if, if it's at an expensive price, that's, that's worth it because the future is much more valuable. So I think that's uh, something I had to do at, uh, at sort of that inflection point in my business. Yes. Perfect. Ahmed? Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to add to the seed part because I think the guys uh, covered it, but at the growth stage, I think the data part is very important because people will look back and look at the promises that you gave at the seed stage and they want to know, did you, did you really achieve what you promised? Did you overachieve? And if you were able to, Fine, you reached into a good stage today, and but reaching a good stage is not the real challenge. I mean, staying good, evolving into something more, that, that is going to be the real challenge, you know? So, and uh, as Nitin was saying, the, there is a capital uh, cap uh, for the growth stages, especially here in the region. So really, people want to bet and invest with the guy who's going to be able to hustle his way through find other ways to provide revenue streams to be able to grow the company more and more. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you all. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Angami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.